0: Welcome to the CE Pro Podcast. I'm Executive Editor Arlen Schweiger. Have you started planning for the CD Expo virtual experience? We're only a month away, and while the venue might be different this year, the education opportunities for attendees are as robust as ever. Not sure what to register for? CD instructors join Jason Knott for a sneak peek on this week's episode. Hi, Jason Knott with CE Pro and I'm excited to be joined by a vital team of instructors for the upcoming Cedia Expo virtual experience. And we know 2020 has thrown everybody a curveball this year. There's no physical Cedia Expo, but Cedia is doing the next best thing with a dynamic slate of business and technical sessions that are going to be taking place during the CD Expo Virtual Experience, which happens September fifteenth through the seventeenth, it's a great opportunity for integrators to, so to speak, take a put a watermelon down a garden hose of content and and education and think about all those team members who you maybe didn't bring to the physical expo. That this is your real opportunity to get them, um, you know, ramrod through a lot of good education in a very short time period. So CD has put together. 50 plus classes, I believe is the total number for this upcoming virtual experience. Again, which takes place September 15th through the 17th. And then it's gonna be actually available for on-demand throughout the rest of the year. So if you're able to get your team through those three days of sessions, that's great. But guess what? It's gonna be available for you able to to uh, to listen and have your team go through and get educated later. Uh, CD also has put it together um, same thing that they did on a, at the physical event, you can get an all-access pass for $199 and attend as many sessions as you want. Also, you can purchase individual sessions too. So we're here today, we're going to talk about some of the key sessions that are coming up. And I'm really excited to be joined by this group. And let me start first with uh, Stephen Ricci, Director of Technical Training at Cedia. Hi, Steven, tell us a little bit about yourself, something fun and interesting.
1: Something fun and interesting. Um, So I'm a musician. I grew up playing tenor saxophone. And uh, as it happens, I was actually in both of the audition groups in my high school, uh, both the vocal ensemble uh, for voice as well as the jazz band. Um, So I had fun doing that. Really, really loved music. Um, Married and have four children. Every day is an adventure.
0: I thought you were gonna say that you were auditioned and that band went on to become U2. No. Okay, darn, that would've been like a close miss right there. Right. Uh, all right, also with us is Samantha Ventura, Samantha's Vice President of Education and Training at CD. Hi Samantha, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, Well, I'm originally from California. I'm like Steve, actually, Um, and I moved out here about 14 years ago. But something interesting a lot of people don't know about me is I lived in Northern California for quite a bit and I have hiked pretty much every trail and mountain at Yosemite, which is my all time favorite place except Half Dome because you have to be on a list um, to get uh, approval to go on that particular mountain and trail. It's very dangerous. So I'm still hoping to get called for the spot to do that one, but um, I do love to hike through Yosemite. So that's something interesting about me.
0: We have that in common. So I have actually gone to half the top of Half Dome twice. And one time I was on the top of it and there was a lightning storm. So that is a very scary experience.
2: Well, I'd like Um, pictures. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it was scary. A yeah. lot and of people actually,
2: tell me they've hiked that mountain, and I and I asked for proof. Actually, so there you go. I'm going to. I'm really going to ask you for those pictures. I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah, well, it was the '70s, so you didn't have to. Oh. You, didn't, you didn't have to uh, reserve it back then. You Everybody could just go up the cables. <laughs>
2: yeah. Just kidding.
0: Uh, also with us is uh, Jeff Meads. Jeff is owner of Presto Web Design in Cambridge, uh, UK. Hi, Jeff. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Hi, thanks, Jason. Yeah, very nice to see you. Uh, like Steve, I am a lifelong musician. Unlike Samantha, I've never hiked a mountain in my life. So um, that's an easy one. <laughs> um, one thing, I, you, you asked for something uh, that people wouldn't know. I can walk on stilts. It's not something I've done for a while, but uh, my dad had a pair when I was growing up. So as soon as I was long uh, old enough to have a go, I sort of snuck them out of the garden shed and off I went across our patio and a few, grazed knees later i figured it out so uh i could probably still just about do it but not to show level that's for sure
0: that is really cool i've always wanted to learn how to juggle
3: so oh, stilts yes. and juggling can you do both i'm going to say no immediately <laughs> <laughs> but you never know enough beer <laughs>
2: i can juggle
0: I, can you really wow yeah i i tried and tried and tried i actually even bought juggling balls it didn't work out so
2: i was bored uh, all in right. this summer
0: Thank you. Last but not least, David Meyer, technical research consultant. Hi, David, tell us a little bit
4: about yourself. Hey, Jason. Um, Yeah, well, a lot of people already know me for for being kind of the resident geek um, and just all around um, super technical guy. I'm a full member of of IEEE, but what a lot of people don't know about me is that back in my college days when I had shoulder length hair, um, my qualification is actually in accounting so um yeah um don't hold that against me and and i just decided that uh, although it gave me a really good background for for business that accounting just wasn't my thing i just really needed to find something a whole lot um a whole lot more fun and geeky so here i am and i've also never hiked a mountain well or nothing really sizable anyway
0: well i knew you were smarter than me now i know you're way smarter than me so that's awesome um (laughs) All right, let's jump right into it, and we're gonna go through kind of some of the sessions that are on Tuesday, then we'll talk about some of the sessions on Wednesday. Stephen, let me start with you. You've got a session coming up on Tuesday, September 15th from 12.30 to one twenty p.m. Eastern called Executing on Client Care Programs, Strategic Considerations and Industry Best Practices. Tell us about that one.
1: Yeah, so this course, it's mostly aimed for business owners, Uh, and sales uh, so that you can get an idea of some of the different ways that you can structure client care programs. So I actually spent the better part of five years uh, working for a very large commercial integrator running their service department. And what I found was a lot of different variations on how this can be done. Um, It's something that's really important to the industry. So Um, the idea being that we're going to, we're going to walk through some of the pricing structures, some of the ways you can do that. We're going to look at, uh, how you can, you know, build the department, what resources you need to do it successfully. Uh, some of the options that are available now to outsource versus building your own program in house. Uh, so a lot of those different things that integrators are, you know, challenged with today when it comes to how do we service a project once it's actually complete. So as our business models are changing, I'm hopeful that this will help a lot of different integrators figure out how to do this successfully and, you know, build more revenue.
0: So a couple of things come to mind for me is I have spoken to hundreds of integrators since this pandemic started and a couple of them actually told me that Having that recurring monthly revenue from their service programs was a godsend right now for them from a cash flow standpoint and to help the company uh, go through uh, this turmoil. Um, but also, I talked to an integrator just last week who was telling me something interesting that his clients have become so much more demanding during this pandemic because they're sitting at home and they're staring at their house and they're wanting this immediate you know, HGTV solution to take place instantaneously. And he's finding that for the customers that he doesn't have uh, service programs for, um, that he's paying a lot of overtime to his staff to try and keep these clients to maintain the same level of customer service. So I think there's a lot going on, especially during this COVID time where these client care programs can really help out integrators.
1: Yeah, and we've been in an industry for years where clients are demanding (laughs) i've spent plenty of overtime hours myself in the early days and uh, i just remember the days because when something isn't working before a party before a big game i mean obviously with the pandemic it's they're constantly at home uh, so it's always right in front of them now but the reality of it is technology can be really really convenient it can add value it can enhance lifestyles But the reality of technology is it's constantly changing and now that so many different things are connected people want to connect to their virtual assistants. Well, that's an outside system. That's a software platform that's going to get updated regardless of you know what you are putting in as far as a hardware um, devices and things like that. And so when they make an update, they can break a working system. We've seen this with Apple. We've seen it with Google. We've seen it with Alexa right so these things need to be managed and expectations need to be set that as technology evolves and as these things change, you're going to have to, as a client, pay for those that expertise and those services in an ongoing manner to make sure the experience stays the same. So when it comes to building these client care programs, they can be a huge benefit and a huge value because you set expectations up front. Um, For a very long time, I think our industry is is sort of coming around the corner, I'll say, as far as setting these expectations and doing a good job of it. For a long time, a lot of integrators were, were really good at customer service, but they weren't good at getting paid what they deserved for it, if I'm being perfectly honest. And so they'd go back on job sites and they'd fix problems that really should have been covered under a client care program or should have been a service charge. And so now that the industry is being forced to get smarter about this, client care programs can help set those expectations so that you don't have to battle with your clients about getting paid for your expertise and your time. It's already set that expectation and it can be a source of ongoing income for the company.
0: Yeah, I found once integrators get a taste of that recurring revenue, then they open their eyes to security and some of the other potential recurring monthly revenue uh, earning um, categories. So let's move on. Um, Samantha, let me turn to you, because this is a session that you're doing with Stephen that is taking place um, on uh, Tuesday, September 15th, from 6 o'clock p.m. to 6.50 p.m. Eastern, called Find, Hire, and Keep Your Next Rockstar. So you're moderating and Steven's one of the panelists. Tell us a little bit about that panel.
2: Well, this was a really successful one last year. And so we've kind of grown from that one. And it kind of goes into all of what we're probably gonna talk about in terms of all the classes we will focus on this year at Expo. But really it is about that idea of how do you kind of flip the script on years ago idea of bringing technicians in, um, bringing people into the fold of your organization. And if they don't necessarily work out, you know, we can kind of find another one. We try to flip the script on that and instead say, please invest in your employees. Professional development can be profitable, should be profitable for you if you look at it the right way. Um, So we talk about it's not just going out, finding great technicians and then leaving them. It's finding these great technicians, hiring them correctly, making sure they're a good fit, investing in their professional development, supporting them throughout the process so that you don't always feel that they're looking for the next best thing. Um, so we talk about this, all of these things on the panel, and and I really, really make sure that, you know, people walk away with the idea of turnovers expensive, retention is important. At Cedia, we try to push the envelope on the knowledge for the business owner, that it isn't just enough to come in from the technical Uh, side of things. You can be a rock star on the technical side, but if you're a leader who is not supporting your employees and the overall health of your business, you will potentially suffer, and that'll hit your bottom line. So I love this particular panel. I'm super excited about it. Steve's on it, Janine Gaskins, Amanda Wildman, Joe Whitaker, um, and I'm probably missing one other person uh, that we might be putting on the panel, but it's going to be a great time.
0: Yeah, you know, this uh, building those career paths within a company, I find a lot of integrators just don't do it, Um, and it's important for them to do it, and one other thing that might be interesting, I'm sure will come up in the panel, is during a situation like we're going through right now with COVID, where a lot of integrators are very busy. Um, Most of the integrators that I speak to are just off the wall busy, but some of them aren't, um this is a good time to actually attract and find top talent that might be out there so i think that's a good you know kind of twist on building those career paths there could be some really talented people out there that could be acquired during this time frame
2: absolutely we're hearing about that all the time where someone will have uh, told us you know well both sides of it number one you know we're out of a job or we're looking for something and it's like, wow, we just need to network and connect a little bit on the, and then on the, the flip side, somebody saying, um, I have never seen such a wonderful plethora of talent um, that's been you know, kind of waiting to be snatched up. And and then we always come back with the reminder, that's wonderful, now let's keep them. So let's go through what it means to actually support them from a professional development standpoint, from the brand new person to the industry, to the more seasoned person that you're bringing into your org. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like you have a great group. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Samantha, you're also doing another session called Change in the Workplace. This is taking place Tuesday, September 15th, 10 a.m. to 1050 Eastern. Tell us a little bit about that session.
2: Yes, this is one that I absolutely love because there are very few people in this world that absolutely love and embrace change. And um, In this time right now i know it's overused when you start to talk about needing to pivot and and being um, flexible with change but it is truly more than ever before i've recognized that right now change is inevitable for everybody and how they react to it is going to be paramount to their own personal and professional success whether you're a business owner or not um this one is geared towards a business owner and i've really tailored it this year for what's going on um you know the idea of change and what it really means I think is misunderstood. It's not the change that typically is upsetting to somebody. It's the transition. It's become an emotional piece to something that has altered. And so it causes people to feel very shaky in where they are. And so I talk about this a lot during this particular session. And now I'm bringing in some real world examples that are happening right now and what you can do to best support those in your organization, whether it's a two person organization or a 200 person organization, or even more to support that emotional reaction to the changes that are going on, to the transitions that are happening in their lives. And now more than ever, it's also personal. It's not just professional in the workplace. We have to understand once this kind of settles down, hopefully pretty quickly from where we are right now, you have to understand there's a work-life balance that needs to happen. So it is not fair to expect your employees to consistently meet every single need at every single moment. So we have to figure this out.
0: Well, it sounds like a great session for business owners. We'll circle back to that. All right. Speaking of uh, of rock stars, Jeff Meads. Jeff, you have a session uh, also again September fifteenth, uh, Tuesday, September fifteenth at nine a.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Need to build. Need to build your client a home recording studio. Here's how to start like a pro. Tell us about that.
3: <laughs> so I th- I think this might well be the most fun class I've ever been asked to teach and. As you might imagine that this has stemmed out of the COVID uh, epidemic and people being more at home and having to do more at home and certainly as a a gigging musician and looking around all my friends and colleagues, the conversion from live performance to live streaming at home has been rapid and uh, saturated, you know, it's massive. But actually this goes back to all the way back to the call for presenters at the beginning of the expo uh, education process this year in that um, as I understand it, there were lots of people, integrators, saying, look, you know, my, cl- my client has said, look, you've built a cinema, you've built, done the home automation stuff, surely you, we can tack on a recording space because I like to play guitar, right? There may be a professional musician, but there may well just be an enthusiastic amateur, I suspect, with a lot of these people. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of transferable skills. You know, our integrators work with audio and video systems, you know, I- all day, every day. And of course, the recording studio at its heart is an audio-video system. Um, And there are a lot of transferable skills in things like uh, networking, of course, is just as important. Uh, But acoustics, obviously, straight away, uh, loudspeakers and placing loudspeakers in rooms, those kind of things. But actually, fundamentally, a recording space is a very, very different place to an entertainment space. And the way I guess I talk about that most is that in entertainment spaces we're all about conveying as closely as possible what the director's intention was both in terms of sound and picture. Um, That is a recreative experience you know we want to make things perform evenly properly colors be true on screen sounds be true in terms of frequency and dynamic and so on there is none of that to start with in a recording space you have to be the creator so it's a creative space and not a recreative space so technically that puts a whole set of different challenges um, on the person trying to design that space also acoustically um whereas we're used to things like reverberation time and background noise uh the things that we aim for in um, an entertainment space are not the things we always aim for in a, a creative space So we're going to use some of that same knowledge, but the application of what we're going to do with that is going to be different. We're also going to begin by actually looking at the process, taking the process of someone sitting down with a guitar or piano or keyboard or whatever it is, their instrument or or a vocalist, taking them from that to a release. And what they would need to have around about them in terms of their space and equipment to make that happen. Now, when i started back in the mm, late 80s early 90s in recording you know that was a big reel-to-reel tape deck and huge mixing desk as long as a car and all those kind of great things and yeah of course you can still do that but in truth if you've got a couple of hundred dollars and a rucksack and a laptop you have a recording studio these days and it can be done very small scale to grammy award winning level billy eilish's album for example is famously recorded in her brother's bedroom Uh, and look at what happened to that. So we're going to look at the process starting from a very basic setup, all the way to if you want to build something, multi-million dollar space for recording, looking at those things as well. Um, There will of course be some terminology lessons in there. We're going to introduce them to some new words and phrases. uh, Some of the things you may have heard on the periphery, but don't really understand quite what they mean. We're going to dive into some of those as well. So expect to see pictures of fabulous recording studios, a lot of pictures of interesting equipment. And I'll just throw one other gem in about this subject. Um, In what we do in particular, I'm looking at David as it is on my screen right now, in, in what he looks at is the very cutting edge of everything that's now and coming. One of the wonderful things about recording is that actually some of the most prized pieces of technology are those things that have been around for decades. For example, I can go out and buy a Neumann microphone now for $1,000, but if I have that same model but it was produced in the late 60s, that's probably going to cost me 10 times that amount of money. So we've got a whole nother look at not just embracing what's happening, but actually, in recording spaces, we, we really embrace and value the stuff that, that we've had for a long time, it's been around for a long time and has made all of those wonderful records that are so near to our heart. So, I am so looking forward to this particular session. It's one I'm really, really pleased I was asked to put together.
0: I think it probably introduces a lot of integrators to some uh, suppliers who they have not worked with uh, in, you know, dedicated regular AD, AV spaces or control spaces. Doing something like that, and I'm sure uh, Steve is going to be very interested in this as a former musician <laughs> to build his own uh, his own rock star habitat. So while I've got you, Jeff. Jeff is also um, one of the talented members of the CE Pro All-Star Band, and they're going to be performing during the um, virtual experience. Tell us a little bit about what you guys might have on tap for us, Jeff.
3: Well without giving away too many surprises, uh, those of you who at the expo last year will have seen, I think it was on the Thursday afternoon, right in the middle of the show floor, um, uh, the uh, exhibition very kindly put on a full on stage for us. Uh, we remotely got together from all over the planet beforehand and worked on a set list. We did about an hour's performance. We had literally one rehearsal for about two hours in a small and very sweaty rehearsal studio, which is exactly what you expect with these things, by the way um and we had such a great time and of course the plan was to revisit that um uh, had the um, the expo gone um uh, been carrying out as normal so we are working on a project to present some some songs um the whole band the band is back together as the famous uh, saying goes back from the blues brothers and we're uh, we've got the wonderful talents of uh, jeff gardner longtime senior instructor and employee Working on a lot of the tech for us, so I think what we're putting together, I'm, I'm so I'm certainly going to be desperately proud of it, and I think everybody's really going to enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see you guys pull together. Also, so all right, that sounds fascinating. Let's keep moving on, uh, David, the technical guy, as we've already uh, we've known. And I'm looking at your list of sessions here, and let's start with the first one, which sounds like a 1970s movie with David Carradine, a little bit Deathmatch video transport technologies. Is David Carradine gonna be in that? This is Tuesday, <laughs> September 15th from 4 p.m. to 4.50 p.m.
4: Eastern. Tell us about that session. Yeah, I, I think um, there's a safety element to having us all um, virtual in this, huh? So um, yeah, this is, this is the first that, that I'm up. Um, it's, it's later in the day for, for you over there, but um, anyone who doesn't know me, and here's my funny accent, I, I live in the future. Um, I'm 14 hours ahead of, of um, US Eastern time. So that's why my, my session starts so late in the, um, in the day for you. But it's the, the first of five for me. And and this particular one is um, is going to be, uh, it's inspired actually by a session that we did at ISC. So the idea is, there's lots of questions now. What do we use? Um, we, we still have to run run cables. Um, we still need HDMI, but we need to go distances. We need to distribute sometimes. The, there's even a, a challenge to that these days with so much streaming. But the question um, I get asked so often is, should I be using HDBase-T or AV over IP or um, fibre? Um, there's, there's a lot happening now. So um, by popular request um, after the, the um, successful um, ISC. Um, we had um, not a, a spare seat in the place at um, the IOC session, where well, we did have it in person. So this time, um, we get to do it virtually, and um, and and see what we can do, and actually bring together a panel of experts in each of those fields um, to, um, well, battle it out in a nice way, I guess, but but have a have a good good grown up discussion about um, just what the the virtues and potential downfalls are, and, and just where things are going. So it should be really really good. Uh, staying in
0: that same vein, you have another session, HDMI 2.1 update 2020. That's on Tuesday, September 15th at 6 p.m. Eastern. A lot of uh, confusion I hear about there, out there questions I hear from integrators regarding 8K, especially, and where that fits into the, the uh, 2.1 spec. Tell us a little bit about that session.
4: Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly be talking about 8K amongst many other things. Um, one of the most exciting things, I think, about the, the way we're actually presenting the education this, this year is the, the need to truncate the information and to distill it down to just the most important stuff. Um, this HDMI 2.1 update is, is based on um, something that I have actually done the last, last couple of years um, at Expo um, and at other events, but this time it's in a slightly shorter format which means we've basically got to cut to the chase and just what is it that's most important? What is it that's changed from last year? The HTML 2.1 spec hasn't changed, but we're starting to see some, some progress on it now in the marketplace. So what are the elements that matter? What doesn't? Um, what do you need to know? What are the potential gotchas? Um, and what's gonna help you just understand some of the, the lingo further to what um, Jeff said about the, the terminology? Um, If for anyone, I've always said for anyone who has a a fetish for acronyms, HDMI is for you. There's, there's plenty of them in there and 2.1 adds a a whole bunch more. So we'll be talking through some of those and, and, and what they mean, what's important, what's not important. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good session. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: We're starting to see, uh, 8k receivers, uh, come out now. and, And I'm hearing getting questions from integrators regarding, should they be running, uh, the uh the 2.1 directly from the display and bypassing the receiver um or how vital is it to have the receiver in this topology so there's so many questions regarding 2.1 yeah. so that sounds like a really good session
4: all right yeah, another yeah. one on so tap important.
0: yeah yep. another one on tap av over ip what why and how that's tuesday september 15th at 7:30 p.m eastern uh tell us a little bit about that one
4: yeah, um, you can see a pattern forming here, but this is very much um, my natural habitat. And following on from the deathmatch, uh, regardless of what the outcome of that death match is, um, this, this session will still proceed. And it, talking about um, just what it is, um, AV over IP seemed to have um, virtually come out of nowhere. Um, it was predictable for probably well over a decade that things were going to go to IP. Um, even in the professional post-production um, sector, they're all all going to um, IP. But the big question is: um, there's there's IP streaming versus IP distribution. Um, there's there's so many different ways of of getting those multiple signals around the home. Um, but the big challenge, of course, is that. The, the demands on bandwidth are increasing um, at a faster rate than what our bandwidth demands in the network are. So I mean, if, we, if you're going to go down that path, like, do you choose HTBST, do you choose AV over IP um, if, if you need one of those? So, and then if you want AV over IP, what do you have to do? What are the nuts and bolts that you need to make it all work? So sure. we'll be talking about that. And, and again, this is actually based on a longer session that we've done in the past but distilling down once again to just what's current, what's now, what's most important, um, which is actually a, a very, a very cleansing and very, um, very time efficient way of, of delivering the, the most important messages, I think. And then when you dig down to that next
0: layer in AV over IP, you've got questions about, uh, the platform, you know, uh, Dante versus ABB and, and different choices there that integrators are going to have to make on their, their, uh, their systems so that sounds yeah. like a very important inform- informative one all right also on tuesday this is your real late night one uh, at least late night for for everybody out here challenges of hdr video and that starts at nine thirty p.m on tuesday september 15th tell us a little bit about that one
4: yeah well this is eleven thirty a.m for me so it's it's comfortably middle of the day. (laughs) So, um, but, but, um, I, this is what I love about this is been able to reach an audience from so many different time zones. Um, and we've never had the opportunity to do that before. So it's really exciting. So with, um, with HDR video, this is, it, it still ties in with the other sessions that I'm doing. There's always a crossover because a big part of the challenge of HDR is getting the signal to the display. Um, in fact, Joel Silver um, says, um, I, "I love love quoting him on this one." He said, "The biggest challenge with HGR is getting it to turn on," and and that's been one of the the big um, aspects, um, a big um, catalyst behind us needing to develop the CEB twenty eight recommended practice for HDMI system designer verification, which um, I'm pleased to say we're we're just in the process of, of finalising. So um, that's yeah, stay tuned on that. But the challenges of HDR video go beyond, even if we get the signal to the display intact, we still need to then have a whole lot of other considerations like the room itself. You're gonna throw a whole lot more light on, onto the screen or have a whole lot more light um, emitting from the screen, depending on the type of display we're using, um, then we have implications in the room. Um, and what do, we, what do we do to manage that um, and, and to make sure that HDR is going to be a, an, an optimal experience on, on all those levels so that's um, that's what we'll be discussing so there is an HTML element to that as well but it also will will be on that
0: yeah and especially now from an HDR standpoint we know Netflix and some of the other streaming services are are doing uh, HDR uh, content so it's unavoidable
4: yeah, yeah but the the challenge there of course is that um, you can get Dolby vision if you watch it on an app on one device but um, if you use the app on board the TV for example, but if you use one that's in an outboard streaming box you, you might get HDR 10 and can't get Dolby vision so there there's still a lot of challenges with HDR and um, so there's a lot to discuss there's a lot to know knowledge is power so Samantha talking about a leadership opportunity here'm I'm, I'm just
0: looking at this this group of sessions that that David's doing on Tuesday afternoon and what an opportunity to get to, to create a pizza party for your technician team with, a, I won't say beer, let's throw Mountain Dew in, uh, just to keep them a little more alert. But uh, from 4 p.m. Eastern all the way till 10, 20 p.m., you know, an evening and afternoon cram session uh, event and bring in pizzas and sandwiches and stuff like that for the team.
2: You're speaking our language, absolutely. And I'll echo what Dave said earlier. Well, first of all, I have to say, look at the people that we're talking to today on, I mean, just the amount of knowledge. I am so proud to be among these people and the others that are going to be speaking at this event and everybody I get to work with on a daily basis. It's mind blowing to me the amount of knowledge of the years. So I have to say, yes, these opportunities to get together, um, even if it's virtually learning. I had somebody say the other day, well, we're all going to order lunch separately but hang out together and kind of like skype throughout and it's like yeah whatever's working for you it's just kind of adjusting what the normal used to be to what i don't like to use new normal but what we're moving towards and making it work and being open to that but yeah there's such an opportunity for this exchange of knowledge and as dave mentioned earlier this is the first time the reach can be international and we're capitalizing on it to us we're, we're so excited it's like a 24-hour you know, those years ago, those cram sessions we were getting in. But the best idea, the best part of this too is though, you'll have access through the end of December, so December 31st. So, yeah, you get to cram it live, you're there. But there's some pre recorded sessions for the on demand, and all of this will still be available up through the 31st of December. Um, I have to tell you, I've always, you know, in the few years that I've been with CDN, been involved with our conference at Expo. I'm always proud of the lineup that we have, always. And you know, we're here together today, but we have all of our amazing other instructors, Peter Ailett, Leslie Shiner, Mike Heiss. I mean, I can give you a whole list of them, but I will tell you even what they're talking about this year, as they've also adjusted to meet the needs of what's happening right now. I'm super proud of this lineup this year. And and the fact that they were so flexible in how we have had to pivot and go back and forth with it was gonna be in face to face or or virtually, they have risen to the occasion. And these sessions are really tailored for what's happening now. So I am just so, so excited. And and I think it's a wonderful opportunity for an exchange with the the leaders that we have that are going to be uh, discussing and teaching on these topics, but then later with each other. And I also wanna plug, we have a few sessions for the Ask the Experts. This is the only time we've ever been able to offer this the first time. And I would love to be able to do it. Um, And we probably will in future years as well, where you can come in and talk to some of our experts in the industry on different topics on an open forum back and forth. We've never really had that opportunity. um, Just because we were in person. And so we kind of wanted them to talk and meet up. But sometimes there's not that opportunity. Um, This time has a we have a dedicated space really excited about that.
0: And to a certain extent, there, there's, there's less distraction from all the bells and whistles that are at the physical expo to really focus on, on the education. So let's turn the page here. So we, we just discussed, you know, again, I said CDA has a, sessions going from 8.30 a.m. all the way till 10.30 p.m. on Tuesday the 15th. But the next day on Wednesday the 16th, we also have sessions that are starting at 8 in the morning. Uh, One of those, Stephen, let me go back to you. Wednesday, September 16th at 9 a.m., Fundamentals of Conference Room and Presentation Technology. Tell us about that one.
1: Yeah, so this was something, again, I I spent a fair amount of uh, years actually on the commercial side working for a a relatively large commercial integration firm. And I found that I picked up a, a lot of best practices. So a lot of the technology is very similar that's part of what allowed me to make the transition from a, a very strong background and a lot of years in the residential industry to then go spend time working in the commercial industry. But one of the things that we saw last year in our 2019 size and scope survey is that 95% of integration firms reported they're performing work in commercial buildings and that the largest sector of opportunity in that area is conference rooms. So that's telling me that there's an opportunity for residential integrators that are doing a little bit of light commercial work. Um, But I wanna make sure that as uh, Cedia, that we're helping them do this correctly as best as possible, because there are differences. There's some things that are, you have to take a very different approach when it comes to doing conference rooms versus entertainment spaces or areas in a home. And so the idea of this session, it's really aimed at guys that are sort of new to this opportunity area, that want more information about it or have been doing a little bit but have struggled or found it, you know, found some challenges with it, uh, to give them a primer and to give them some of the best practices uh, coming from that side of the industry on how to do it successfully. So looking at it from a user experience perspective is very different. When you're designing a system in a home, you can talk to that one client and a few people around them, the people that live mostly in the residence, and figure out how to make the user experience really good and tailor it to those people. When you're in a commercial environment, the interface has to be so universal that anybody can walk in, push one to two buttons and successfully run a conference.
0: All right, Samantha, you have another great leadership session uh, called transformational leadership right now. This is Wednesday, September 16th at 12 noon. Tell us about that one.
2: Yeah, this is an all time favorite for me. I love this one and leadership uh, is near and dear to my heart and what I ended up studying later on as my last uh, Adventure into learning I would say um, that was official. um in terms of the book studying, but I have to say this session is is so important right now as we just mentioned all of this as we're looking at what happens within um, organizations and what's happening personally and professionally, a good leader can kind of zoom out a little bit and, and see where things are heading and, and make some good decisions with what they have to make it even a little bit less stressful for the people working um, within their organizations and for themselves. And so we talk about um, a lot about what it means to be a transformational leader, but this is probably the first time, and I said this on a webinar the other day, that I actually then focus a lot on what it means to be a transactional leader as well so right now having the ability to say transactional here's your list of things i need us to accomplish to keep us healthy financially to keep us meeting our goals and check those boxes off and then the transformational that meets into it what am i doing to make sure my employees still feel very engaged what can i do to mitigate some of the issues coming up Um, within reason i mean sometimes at the end of the day there are just things that you really can't combat and and but still being willing to have those conversations so it's really really all again about right now and the challenges that people are experiencing but also how you can keep your employees engaged virtually Um, and it's not just about you know then meeting sometimes on zoom and talking through things it's also about taking the time to really discuss with them personally what their potential uh, needs are, what are the needs of the people that are working under them, um, and what you can do to help, again, mitigate some of the issues that are coming up. So we kind of take a a look at where you are as a leader, what your specific skill set is as a leader, and then really, most importantly, how you recognize within your own employees the gifts, talents, um, challenges, interests that your own employees have so you can always place them in the right positions and then support them effectively with resources or whatever, even just your time, your knowledge to make them the most successful that they can be. Delegation is important, but recognizing what that really means is important, is even more important than that. And so we talk about all those kinds of things. And again, anyone that sat in on this session for me last year or the year before, This particular one takes it to much more of the next level what's happening right now and how to kind of adjust your leadership a little bit to meet the needs of now so that it can be even more successful later on. I love this session.
0: It's a difficult balance um, to be uh, Consistent, but also be a chameleon with the individual uh, aspects of each of your people because you have to balance you you can't be um, inconsistent, but you have to also balance uh, the the different personalities. So that sounds like a great one. All right. Last but not least, uh, David, on Tuesday or Tuesday, I'm sorry, on Wednesday, September sixteenth at eight a.m. You have another technical session, HD based T, new solutions and recommended practices. Tell us a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, this this one is. Um it's a great way to finish the set I must say Um, I've I've been working with T for so long now teaching about it for best part of a decade and um, for the last or number of years must be at least four years um, been teaching a a three-hour absolute beast of a course um, at, at Expo and um, that's one that we developed in conjunction with the T Alliance. Um, it, it's a complete head spin of, of a class though. So um, I've, I've often cautioned people that you may be bumping into walls when you, when you leave at, at the end of it because it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a journey. Um, but again, this format was really exciting to, to need to distill that down to under an hour. And, and that completely changes the scope of it. So what we're doing this year is just saying, okay, what's what's new, what's happening with H.26T? What are they doing to address 8 n gig? What are they doing to address the the needs of um, of, of HDR? Um, and what's what's happening? Um, there, there's and of course there's there's competition because we mentioned AV over IP already. So this session is just going to focus on on those things, like what are the key takeaways? Um, so again, it's a super efficient use of, of time to sit on that and just hear um, about what the, what the relevance is. Um, some people are thinking that um, based t have, have just run out of bandwidth, but, but I'll be saying, no, <laughs> no, they haven't. And, and we'll discuss why. And, and just what you need to be doing. What's, what cables do you need to be pulling now? Um, what we we need to always be looking for upgrade path um, you know, that that dreaded term future proof that, that we that I so so desperately avoid um, that I've that I've long joked um, it means that it should last at least until Christmas but um, it's what do we need to do and and that's what this session is going to do so i I think anyone who's worked with HDbasedt um, this this is one of those um, must attend kind of sessions
2: so recognizing those trends that are coming down the pike also are really important and I think people are going to get those nuggets just through those conversations and listening into these sessions thinking ah okay this is something I need to focus on and exciting for me to focus on and I never thought about it that way before and I get really really excited about these topics because I just think we can do so much with them in so many different ways it can help your bottom line but it also can help push you within the industry to consistently want to make yourself better know more um, be that thought leader have that knowledge, whether you're using it right now or not, um, just having it and knowing that it's super important as you strengthen yourself and you strengthen the knowledge within the industry, we all just continue to get stronger. So I'm really, really excited about, I mean, I'm just really excited about this event, this time, especially.
0: That was a a great wrap up, Samantha. And and speaking of wrap up, I think we should wrap this up and I wanna just thank Samantha and Steven and David and Jeff for joining me today. reminder, the, op- the registration opens for uh, Cedia Expo Virtual Experience, and it's going to be www.cediaexpovirtual.com. Registration opens in August, and uh, the content, obviously the educational content we're talking about here, but there's also going to be uh, a lot of suppliers there, and in their individual booths, they're going to have their own specific training. There's also going to be manufacturer training that takes place and again, as Samantha mentioned, all of this content is gonna be available on demand as a download um, through December 31st, uh, of 2020. So thank you again for joining me today and I appreciate the time and have a great day, everybody.